Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. I keep wanting to change this to the But I Digress podcast, but producers, directors like Glue Man and whatever won't let me do it. But I would like to say this before we get started and get serious about this thing. I've instituted a new policy. Every time I say the word, uh, I'm not even sure uh is a word, but every time I grunt the word, the sound uh, I will owe my curse cup $1. And by the end of the year, that money, and I hope it's not a lot, pardon, sorry about this to the charity I'm going to be naming here, but to the uh, Christina and Ryan Day Fund, I hope it's not a lot, but I definitely want to get uh out of my vocabulary, at least when I'm talking to you fine folks. That's that's a waste of time if you follow my drift. And going into this podcast now, without a doubt, the Ohio State-Wisconsin game lost some of its luster with Wisconsin suffering this shocking loss to Illinois and its bearded head coach, Lovey Smith, this past weekend. But if you're watching that game, you could see it coming a mile away. Whether Wisconsin was looking ahead, to the Ohio State game, that's for someone else to say. As I said on Twitter the other day when people were bringing it up, well, was Wisconsin looking ahead to the Kent State game when it skated past Northwestern a few weeks ago, 24-15? to 15? You know, maybe they were. Maybe Kent State, the golden flashes. But bottom line is it's taken a little bit of a luster off this game. Instead of number three or four versus number six, you've got number three versus – you know, the teens, but that's the way it is. That's the way life is. Ohio State has dealt with that same kind of upset the past two years and bounced back big time. Does Wisconsin have the ability to bounce back big time? But let's let's move on to something else. 
I've got a one of my longtime friends. I'm trying to put this in perspective. A guy who's been really good to me and nice to me from a national scene standpoint. And I try to reciprocate all the time. A fellow by the name of Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com, and you can see him on his own podcast and videos during the football season. I've got him on right now because I wanted to get another look from about 34,000 feet at what he thinks about Ohio State, what he thinks about this game coming up this week, and what he thinks about the Big Ten in general and how it fits in the national scene. And, Dennis, are you there? I am here, Tim. Very kind words. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Like I I was telling you in the pre-show, that uh, if you say uh, it doesn't count in my curse cup, so you can say uh all you want, but I'm not going to be saying uh as much as I can because I don't have as much money as some people think. I'm semi-retired. Uh, the the uh, Social Security isn't rolling in like I thought it would, so I'm going to keep it low. <laughs> but, Dennis, you know, you just right off the bat, Wisconsin loses to Illinois. What kind of luster does that take off this game this week? And, by the way, you're coming in for this game regardless. It's still an important game on the national scene, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's a story either way. If You know, a lot of people like me think Ohio State's the best team in the country. I, I, I take that back. I, I When I saw them against Nebraska, I said, it's the most complete team I've seen, mm-hmm. the best team. I have LSU ranked number one because they've beaten two top ten teams, one on the road. So that, mm-hmm. that answers that question. But yes. I do think they're the best-looking team. I've seen. On the other hand, if somehow Wisconsin gets itself together and, you know, gets that whatever got caught in their trachea um, <laughs> at Illinois out of their throat and they win, you got an upset there. So you got a story either way. But yeah, it, it takes a little bit of the luster off the game. And the, the only question after Saturday is what was a bigger upset, that one or Georgia State over Tennessee? I'd I guess I guess that was a bigger one, uh, but that was two Big Ten teams, Georgia State and, and Tennessee. You know, the Sun Belt had no business going into Tennessee and winning, but I, I digress. Yeah. Wait, moving on. Excellent. That's an excellent digression, by the way, on your part. I thought <laughs> I thought South Carolina beating Georgia the way it did was well, right yeah. up there. I mean, yeah. you know, kind of a similar kind of thing, uh, and also ran in the uh, – and the SEC rising up and beating a team that most people have already penciled in in the college football playoff. But, you know, let's get specifically about Ohio State. What What is it? What's the attraction? I mean, like you were talking about, I agree with you 100%. LSU has the two best wins on its resume of any team in the top four right now. But what is it about Ohio State that, that, that most stands out to you? That they have, well, a bunch of things. Obviously, there's a seamless transition right now from Urban to Ryan Day, every time I'm around that team, it reinforces to me how good a coach he is. And it started last year uh, at that third game against TCU. It was his last game before Urban came back. And there was a, I, I wrote about it. There was like a sense of calm that come over the team yep. in, in a time of turmoil. And that was a direct reflection on, on Ryan Day. I've subsequently gotten to talk to him. You kind of understand it. But you watch them play, and it's – They've got pros all over the field. You know, Justin Fields raises now a legitimate question. Did Kirby Smart keep the wrong quarterback? J.K. Dobbins, who already has, what, what did he rush as a freshman? 1,400, something yeah, like 1400. that. Is going gonna, is gonna to blow through that, it looks like. The offensive line is great. Chase Young is making, I don't, I'm not going to say he's making people forget about the Boses, but I have heard and seen some really smart football people say, 
that he might be better than either one. That's saying a mouthful. I'm not saying it. I'm just reporting what I've heard. <laughs> but every time I see the kid, I'm I'm absolutely floored by his athleticism. So, and, and taking all that together, it's it's a thing I've been saying for years. It's all this. I mean, Tim, you go back way farther than me, but I go back. You know, to Ohio State, the beginning of the 1990s. And, and the big picture is it's almost as if Ohio State football is bigger than anybody who coaches it in, in the big picture. There'll be dips and, you know, you know, very brief dips and there'll be championships, but it just seems to sustain itself. Yeah. Uh, when people say Ryan Day is winning with Urban's players, well, he recruited a lot of them. And we all know what the opposite of that is. He'd be losing with those players. So what's he supposed to do? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's he, he get he gets caught in a little conundrum there of yeah, you know, you know, and it, it, some people were if saying you know he whether he deserved the job or not is for someone else to say. I, if you've been around Ryan Day like you have, like I have, you know he's a very intelligent guy. Yeah. But then he has the confidence in himself to go out and hire Greg Madison and Jeff Halfley. Yeah. I mean, Greg Madison, long time. You know, he's older than me, by the way. Jeff, uh, Greg Madison is. Yeah. Bring him as your defensive coordinator from the, from from Michigan. Bring in Al Washington, Jr. from Michigan as your linebackers coach. Two things that needed to change, whether Urban Meyer had stayed or not, were those two spots. And then you bring in Jeff Halfley, a good friend of his from San Francisco, who has brought in ridiculously fresh ideas on playing defensive football. He's a co-coordinator, but you can see how well the secondary is playing compared to a year ago. And not only that, they've instituted playing uh, some zone defense now instead of all man-to-man, and it's changed the way that defense is played. Uh, Dennis, I keep arguing yeah. that I think just as a unit, the Ohio State defensive unit, its turnaround from where it was a year ago to now is un- – is probably as great a turnaround as any unit in the country. I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah, to the point that, you know, we haven't seen it yet, and we probably won't, but that that inattention to detail on the road against an outmanned opponent. We've yeah. seen it the last two years. That's the only thing that kept Ohio State out of the playoff. Uh, end of story. Yeah, We haven't even seen anything get close to that. Now, it may, ha- it may happen. We don't know. Yeah. But there was something missing on, on really pretty good teams that, that weren't really great defensively. And you mentioned you just mentioned the defensive staff. Right? And I think that that's almost the difference. You know, we were we were going to see what Justin Fields was. He never started a game. Well, we know he's fantastic. But if he, he won the starting job, we knew he was a pretty good player. You know, they weren't going to stick somebody out there. And that's why, you know, Tate Martell transferred and, and all that other stuff. So, yeah. They were they were going to be you know the, the question was how good is that defense was that defense going to be and what kind of changes were going to be made now you just you just categorize them yeah. it'd be great it's funny in preseason I asked Ryan Day several times in different ways what his confidence was that the defense had been fixed and he got kind of annoyed at it I think eventually because he's he's thought he's thought ever since he watched these guys work in in uh, spring football that it was going to be a different group, and he's been right so far, speaking of, if you want to call it his genius or his insight. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, and the other thing, Mike Yersich, bringing him over from Oklahoma State, just a 
sort of, as I call it, pollinate the, uh, the offense a little bit more from a wide-open standpoint. And yet uh, the thing that stood out about this Ohio State offense, too, is they've gotten back to that physical run game that was missing a year ago. They couldn't lean on J.K. Dobbins. Uh, the offensive line uh, and, and Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins just didn't seem yeah. to – click you know now you've you've got the best of both worlds you've got a power running game with a spread offense how do you stop that on a consistent basis well teams are having trouble with that that's exactly right and i saw them against nebraska uh and it was uh, everything was out there was uh, everything you just said yeah the power running game mixed with a, a plus one quarterback who's got got an arm uh that i i did not know was that good i <laughs> I saw Justin Fields play the first game of his senior year in high school. I was in Atlanta. Really? Um, for I think it was a it was a you know one of those um, neutral site games. Yeah. I forget even who it was. So it would have been what two years ago? I yeah. guess two years ago. And just went up there and you know maybe write something, maybe not, maybe get a hold of the map of the game. But he looked to me the, the thought I came away with that night, and this is when he was the number one recruit in the country with Trevor Lawrence. Whatever. Yes. Uh, he looked like a bigger, a bigger Deshaun Watson with a better arm. In other words, you know, a, a run pass, a dual threat guy that was obviously the best player on the field the minute he stepped onto it. I mean, he was bigger, bigger than some of the other team's linebackers. But to my point, uh, Kennesaw, was it Kennesaw? Yeah. It was Harrison uh, High School in Kennesaw. Yeah, Harris, yeah, Harrison, Kennesaw. They lost the game because – he knew all that and he tried too hard. I think he threw two interceptions, fumbled at the goal line, three really bad turnovers by him, and they lost the game. It was, was and, that a wild know, game? Wasn't it like a 45 42 yeah. game or something? Yeah. Because his coach. Yeah. Rain. yeah, I, yeah had his, it, I had his coach it, on earlier this year on my podcast, Matt Dickman, and uh, he brought yeah. that up and he. He said that uh, Justin wanted to take responsibility in front of the team for losing that game, and he wouldn't let him yeah. do it because he goes, hey, on the one hand, yeah, you had your turnovers. On the other hand, the other team scored 45 points. You know, so, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But, but had a big rainstorm right in the middle. Yeah. Um, and I was there when they when they broke the team down on the field after the game, and he, he stood up and did that. And, and Dickman, I don't know if he interrupted him or, or whatever, he said, no, this, this wasn't on you. The other team scored 42 wow. as well. That's what I like about having you – Having you around, Dennis Dodge, you get places, man. <laughs> You're like Bob Seger, man. You're eight miles a minute for months at a time. Uh, <laughs> bottom line. I like that. Uh, b- bottom line, like you said, uh, let, let's jump to this, and then we'll talk about Wisconsin a little bit and then the Big Ten. But Heisman Trophy situation right now, what, what sort of your – is Justin Fields at least in your thought? Is J.K. Dobbins in your thought? I mean, what what, what are your thoughts along those lines? Yeah, I think I, I, I think it's, it's going to be a quarterback, don't you think? Yes, I mean, yes. Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, um, Joe Burrow, um, all those guys Tua. at the top. It, Tua, and it's gone from one to the other almost week to week. <laughs> you know, literally, like one one week a guy will be fourth after he he get he accounted for five touchdowns, but somebody else had six or seven. That's yeah. the way it's been going. Now, Tua's out. I've been having uh, Joe Burrow at the top just because of the, that transition of that offense. Uh, I'm writing about it this week in terms of, crazy. you know, I think college football owes um, the Big 12 a thank you note because all this stuff you're seeing with the spread and RPO, they've been doing for 20 years. But that's a side note. I, I've had I've had Burrow first, but I, I think a, the last couple of weeks, a big question 
coming in at Ohio State was how close was Justin Fields going to get to Dwayne Haskins and his 50 <laughs> touchdown passes. And if he doesn't, you know, is the sky going to fall? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think everything's going to be okay. He's got, <laughs> yeah, he has 22 as we speak, you know, and he's yeah. been responsible for 30 touchdowns, which puts him on a record yeah. pace in that regard. But you're so right. He, yeah, he's going to get close to ha- Haskins, I think, at 54 or 56 total. Well, he had 50 touchdown uh, passes, but yeah. And right. He, and at 54, uh, you're right. Yeah. So, and and to me, I don't know what the word is, to Justin Fields a better athlete is that the right word i don't know because just because of the running ability yeah but here's the thing you touched on i, I like your analogy to uh deshaun watson because yeah justin feels like deshaun watson would rather throw it first and then beat yeah. you with his feet and that's what stan and but then on top of that he has 4.38 second 40 dash speed uh, yeah which is what well, well, i've never dennis i've been covering high state since 1984 you know, I watched them play when Art Schleister was here. I covered, helped cover a few of those games. But this is this is this is the most talented overall quarterback I've ever yeah. covered, and that includes Troy Smith and all these others. Just because he's really, really good at all aspects, and then he's over the top from a talent. His arm—we haven't even really seen him air one out. You know, he's thrown the ball right. sixty yards, but you haven't really seen him air it. And when he runs, he just runs fast enough you know to make the play and uh, it's just remarkable hey real real quick uh yeah wisconsin how much do you think wisconsin will be affected by what happened last week how much you know because that's going to be the question all week is they're going to be fired up coming in you know but yeah what's your sense of that well i I wanted to see him play from behind and they still really haven't you know that field goal against illinois came with four seconds left so they haven't really played from behind you're right. So that, that's that's probably going to happen Saturday at some point. So what does that look like? Because they weren't going to be a championship team un, unless they could do that. You know, there are very few teams, there are very few Clemsons that did what they did last year that just strafed everybody. Um, and a lot of that spoke to uh, to the ACC how bad it was. But hmm. you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna have to either look look, look at the look at the 2002 team. I keep coming back to that perfect analogy. Seven of their 14 games, they had to come from behind. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that. People called him the luck guys, and those fans just went crazy. Mm-hmm. But that was that was a storybook team. They won them all. Credit to Ohio State. But we still don't know. You know, they got a great defense. They didn't have a great one Saturday. But what's it going to look like when, you know, Ohio State goes down the field on the first two drives and it's 10 nothing or 14 to nothing? Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think I know the answer to that, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm curious. I'm. You know, it's funny because you look at these games and there's collisions all over the place. I mean, J.K. Dobbins versus Jonathan Taylor. You know, who's the better running yeah. back in the Big Ten right now? Yeah. And if you just look at the last several games, you'd you'd lean to J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Taylor has the career numbers. Uh, went over five thousand yards, obviously, on Saturday in the loss to Illinois. But man. Like you said, they had the lead. They had the so-called number one back in the Big Ten. Maybe some people think the best back in the country, and they didn't use him in the fourth quarter. Right. I think he touched the right. ball four or five times, and you're going, "What are you doing?" Right. And then they're throwing the ball. I mean, the you know the interception led to the field goal, and you're going, "Wow, yeah. that was that was a team that really was in search of itself on Saturday." I, I'm with you. I'm interested to see how. If Ohio State throws a few haymakers on Saturday, whether Wisconsin gets up off the mat, I'm sure they will. There's a that's a proud program. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, they will. But we've but all they seen. Can't, yeah. yeah, go ahead. 
they can't, they can't, you know, what was the number before Saturday? They, they scored, they allowed four touchdowns and I think scored five themselves on yeah. defense. So they can't count on that Saturday. Let's and they hadn't given way. up a touchdown, I think in the first half all year yeah. or something crazy, you know, and, uh, you know, it really, Illinois almost had two if that one hadn't been called back for an eligible receiver downfield where the center, you know, went after the guy. Yeah. That's another story. Hey, one last thing, and I'll, <laughs> let's get out of here. The Big Ten right now, Ohio State, you know, we're putting the cart way before the horse here, but that's what you're supposed to do, right, on these kind of things. Yeah. Where where does it sit right now? You think from a national standpoint, you got Penn State sitting there still undefeated. You got Minnesota in control of its own destiny, still undefeated. And by the way, destiny I mean as far as the Big Ten championship game is concerned. Uh, where do where do you think the, the Big Ten sits right now in relation to the other conferences? Well, I, I think whatever Minnesota accomplishes this year, you know, credit to PJ Fleck and everything they've done going seven and zero. but whatever they accomplish this year, you're going to have to have with an asterisk of the teams of the teams they missed, um, yes. that, that made seven and zero or whatever they do, whatever they come up with possible. And that happens now in this, in this year of mega, in this age of mega conferences, sometimes it's not a conference. It's just a scheduling agreement. I, I go back, I go back really quick to uh, when I did the Alabama South Carolina game this year, they are going to play three times in 15 years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because they have that weird uh, cross, you know, yes. division thing. We have to do this thing, right? Uh, South Carolina is going to take a decade to play all uh, seven teams in the SEC West. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some of that in the Big Ten. But, okay, that so Minnesota to, to date is a function of that. Um, Penn State, I, I, I was impressed – I was impressed that they won. I was, wasn't impressed the way they won. I, I thought that thing, you know, Michigan was ready to be tipped over the ledge, and they let them come back in. Yes. Three weeks ago, whatever it was, but when Wisconsin beat the poop out of Michigan, I go, "Can I change my Big Ten pick?" You know, okay. we all, look. Does everybody forget that Michigan? I'll say it now. Was a prohibitive favorite in the Big Ten. Yeah. You can't tell me anything different. Well. Oh, I, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I cover Ohio State, but I kept reminding people, Ohio yeah. State, without a doubt, was the most talented team going into this season. And, you know, everybody was curious on how well Justin Fields would play, how well yeah. Ryan Day would coach. I had no That's doubt, it. like you talked about, you saw Justin Fields in high school. I had no doubt this guy was going to possibly emerge as probably the best quarterback in the Big Ten, and I think he has done that. Uh, so I didn't I – I just kept scratching my head about Nebraska – and I kept scratching my head yeah. about Michigan and people just jumping around. Because, you know, it's one of those things where people get tired of the same old, same old, right? And, yeah. Uh, but you're right. People forget Michigan was a pro. I, I, was, I was guilty of it. I just plugged those things in you just said. First-time first head coach, starting quarterback who's never played a snap as a starter. Yeah. Uh, and, and Michigan now a year older, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, yeah, the other one. Yeah, we're going to the RPOs and the spread offense. Yeah, that that's that's really happened with with a guy who's never never called plays. Right. Josh Gaddis. Yeah, yeah, and and Jim Harbaugh, you know, channeling Bo at every turn. If it's seven oh. points either way in the fourth quarter, don't be surprised to see the I formation because yeah. that's the way he rules. So that that's that. And so my point was, Ohio State's clearly the best team in the league. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be in the playoff if they don't stub their toe. And I, at my halfway point ballot, our little thing we put together last week, I picked them to win it all Wow! because I, I think they've got all the pieces. Like I said, they're the best looking team. They're the most complete team right now to yeah. me. Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, though, uh, real quick. I got to see Alabama play live, like I said, two weeks ago when they played uh, yeah. at Texas A&M. And then again against Tennessee the other night. And I know everybody's remembering the Garant- Garant- Garantano-Jeremy uh, uh, Pruitt confrontation. Yeah. But, but I'm telling you, what came of age, what, what I've seen come of age the last two weeks on Alabama is its defense. And I'm, I'm not talking about in a totality, but you're seeing some guys make plays and push came to shove the other night. The, I call them those A-gap stuffers. Alabama, yep. Alabama got it done at the goal line against an arch rival. I mean, I know they've beaten Tennessee for the last 45 or 50 years, but that's a rivalry game. And I'm seeing an Alabama team that's getting over the fact that it's extremely young and it's been beat up on the defensive side of the ball. And if they get that going, but I think everybody has their periscope up now. When is Tua coming back? And if this is a high ankle sprain, will he ever be the same the rest of this year? Probably not. Well, that's yeah, that's the question. He's coming back. Yeah. But what's he going to look like? Because he was obviously hobbled against Georgia late last year and then against Clemson. Yes. With, the, with the other ankle, by the way. Yes. So, so, yeah, so what does that look like down the stretch? We'll yeah. see. Yeah, the college football playoff committee is going to have some questions to answer. But, uh, hey, Dennis Dodd, yep. man, I truly appreciate this. Uh, it's been a slice, as usual, in conversations with you. And uh, any help I, I can give you down the line, just let me know. I will do that. You know that. And it's a pleasure being with you, Tim, always. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back in a moment. I'm going to break down a couple of plays. And once again, I'd like to thank my friend Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com coming on. He's one of the great authorities out there in that, on the national college football scene. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, college football fans, it's Zach Bourne here. You need to check out BetDSI.com. BetDSI is a great way to use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. That's right. BetDSI is the top-rated online sports book. They've been paying winners for over 20 years. The reason they've been around that long is because they have got the fastest payouts in the industry. Plus, the user interface and mobile site is the best in the business. Play, win, and get paid. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if it's college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, eSports, reality TV, virtually anything. You can bet it. You can bet on it at betdsi.com and get paid right now. There's no better way to add some excitement to games that you already are watching. Check out their live betting, where you can bet on games throughout the entire matchup, every play, and every minute until the end. BetDSI has a special deal for Letterman Row fans. Use the promo code ROW100 to get a 100% bonus match. That's more than double. That's right, more than double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code ROW100 and get this limited 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash on the sports you know and love. BetDSI promo code ROW100. Now back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I want to thank Dennis Dodd once again for coming on my show, one of the more respected national names out there in the media, cbssports.com. Now, that's my favorite part of the show. Don't tell Boston Ward I said that when he comes on later, but when I break down a couple of plays, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these plays because you got to watch them just like I did on Friday night, but I'm more interested in the audacity of these plays, and that's a word I used a few weeks ago when I talked about the touchdown pass to Benjamin Victor, an over-the-top pass, I think it was against Miami of Ohio, where <laughs> Miami of Ohio was in a three-deep zone, and Ohio State, Justin Fields threw over the top to Justin Victor and blew it up anyway. That's a play that shouldn't work against the zone, and but it did that night. Now you're going to see here against Northwestern. Northwestern got in 
much too complicated a coverage scheme as far as I'm concerned. If you watch, just watch these four guys and how the play develops. They're kind of running into each other. Then right here, they're in their famous diamond formation, which does you no good uh, it, when you're going against an, Ohio, an offense like Ohio State's with the weapons it has. But bottom line is, let's get back to the start of this play, glue man. That's Spencer Holbrook, my uh, key producer, director, and and uh, play runner extraordinaire. Let's start the play. Let's go like three steps into it, Spencer. This is Chris Olave right here. Watch the tight end come off, engages the man right in front of him. Sort of a – you might call that a pick, but as you watch, that linebacker ends up going with the tight end to the to the flat when the tight, tight end actually gets up. But here's Chris Olave coming right off the line, cuts in underneath the tight end, and now you're going to see him run right past a man in the zone here and a man in the zone here. And – it's crazy that he breaks wide open against that defense. Clearly, there was confusion in Northwestern and the way they reacted, what was going on in front of them. Because if you stop the play right here, stop it right here, Spence, right here, you'll see Ohio State has a tight end right here running a little bit of interference before he gets up. He has a back releasing out of the backfield. So these four guys, they're for whatever one reason or another, they're fixated on these two fellas. And they let Chris Olave, one of the more talented receivers, not just at Ohio State, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country, they let him run. Boom! He looks like he's running. He looks like he's running a drag or a, or a, a, a shallow slant route, and he turns it up. But let's go back. Uh, go back a little bit right here. Let's say he'd run a slant. He was still going to be wide open right in this area. So this was a coverage bust by Northwestern, and Justin Fields saw it right away. Boom! Bang! touchdown and of course Chris Olave used that uh, umpire to his benefit also in this play as he cuts in right behind the umpire that's going to come into into the into uh, some type of significance on our next play this is the the second touchdown for Ohio State stop it right there let's roll it back come on all the way back to the start of this play this is what I like about this play. Just leave it right there for a second. You've got a re wide receiver right here. You can't even see. It's Garrett Wilson. You've got uh, K.J. Hill right here in the slot. You've got Austin Mack on the flank right. You've got tight end Jeremy Ruckert, and you've got J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Justin Fields is at pistol depth right here, so he gets a snap pretty quick so he can get the ball off. Watch J.K. Dobbins as he comes. Stop it right there. As he's coming out, he looks like he's going into the flat. For all the world, that's what the, all the world thinks, including, once again, Northwestern in his famous diamond formation <laughs> to that side of the field. J.K. Dobbins looks like he's going in the flat. The man who has the flat is this man right here. Watch, watch how this play develops. Let it run for a half second. Boom. Stop it right there. J.K. Dobbins has changed his mind. He's cutting now back into, like, in essence, a post cut. Jeremy Ruckert is running straight at the safety on this side of the field, and this fella is just going to get caught up in the wash. I'm talking about Northwestern's, looks like a deep quarters, a man uh, in their defense. And then, as you'll see, their talented, uh, talented middle linebacker is going to have to chase Austin Mack across the field. Austin Mack is running a dig, uh, excuse me, uh, just a drag route over the middle. Stop it right there. Boom. This man is now five yards behind J.K. Dobbins, who just made a brilliant cut. 
the, the, the middle linebacker, Patty Fisher, is trying to chase Austin Mack across the field. And as I pointed out the other night, I, I broke down this play for Channel 10, too. You know, Justin Fields could have thrown to Austin Mack and maybe gotten a touchdown out of this play. But he had his eye on J.K. Dobbins all the way. And J.K. Dobbins, once again, uses the umpire to his effect. You'll watch as this play develops, too. Watch, watch Jeremy Ruckert run into the safety right here. Keep it going, Spence. One more boom right there. Jeremy Ruckert ends up taking out two defenders with that move. And you'll see Patty Fisher, he's trying to react and get back to where the ball is being thrown, runs into the umpire. The umpire actually had to leave the game for stitches uh, after this play. He hit him right in the head. But the bottom line is J.K. Dobbins breaks wide open, touchdown Ohio State. And as I've been telling people, I haven't ever seen this play this year. I haven't never seen Ohio State run this play. I, whether this is the influence of Mike Yursich, we'll find out as this week goes on. Mike Yursich from the wide open uh, Big 12 where he was at Oklahoma State for several years before taking the quarterback and quarterback's coaching job and uh, offensive co-coordinator job this year. But they just, in essence, gave the Northwestern garbage disposal set up on defense too much to handle. They got choked up on it, and J.K. Dobbins breaks wide open. Hallelujah. Another touchdown for J.K. Dobbins. Unbelievable the way Ohio State, though, is with the, has the audacity to challenge zone, some zone man mix, but zone defenses by just, in essence, attacking the middle of the field. And I think you're going to see that continue. You'll probably see it continue again this week when Ohio State plays Wisconsin. You know what? Uh, I enjoy doing this every week. Uh, and let this play one run one more time, uh, Spencer, so everybody can enjoy it one more time. A great play that you see a little bit of and you may see a little bit more of. Next time, though, he may throw to Austin Mack, or the next time he may throw to Jeremy Ruckert. Who knows? That's what this play gives you. The great thing about having five receivers out on a pass play is it's five different plays in one, and you never who knows who's going to be featured next. With that said, I know who's going to, I'm going to be featuring next. It's going to be Boston. Call him Austin Ward uh, from the Letterman Row staff. We're going to break down what we saw from the Northwestern game, but mainly we're going to look ahead to what we see coming, Ohio State versus Wisconsin, the first real showdown game of the year for Ohio State when we return in just a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back uh, with my not special guest, my regular guest, Boston Austin <laughs> I'm Ward. Not, I'm not special to you? Well, yeah, you're special. I call you Boston. How much more special can you get? I mean, Will Crawl, our uh, owner-producer and uh, uh, what do you call it, P- provocateur, uh, I think I just, he even gets jealous when I call you Boston. I call. I mean, he's my boss, yeah. so he's the real Boston in here. Yeah, but he you put, know. He put all this together, by the way. And yeah, he, let me see that. We got S- Sammy Silverman doing these game day posters which are amazing. I mean, he used to do this for Ohio State. Uh, lucky enough to have him part, do our redesign. He's been doing the game day series. We're doing, Will doesn't even know this, but we're gonna about to do another special in our Letterman Row store where if you order anything through Sunday, I'll say, yeah, through Sunday, 
Get any of our stuff from the Letterman Row store. We're going to throw in some of those Sammy posters. So get on there now. Will's going to have to set up the website now to, to account for that, but mm-hmm. we're throwing those in right now. They're so cool. I mean, the guy is an amazing talent. Yeah, first prize maybe might be an autograph from me. Second prize would be two <laughs> autographs from me. What do you think about that? I mean, hey, what do you think about this uh, deal I come up with every time I say, uh, I donate a dollar to uh, the charity of my uh, my favorite charity, perhaps our favorite charity. Are you doing it on purpose now because uh, you're just so generous? I am doing it on purpose because I got tired of hearing myself say, uh, and you know, and all that well, stuff. Now, you told when me I'm that- talking about the fact that I'm going to be giving money for us, it doesn't count. So all these us I've said. These are exempt. In this, yeah. Well, you told me that, and I thought, that's a great idea to – you went into the off date, and you were self-scouting, listening to the podcast. I just got – I heard one podcast, and I just didn't like uh, the fact I said, uh, 400 times. And that's my filler. That's, that's like, that's like you know, when you're putting bricks together, that's my mortar. But I think that that's, that's an important recognition right there. You go – you self-scout. You self-evaluate. Mm-hmm. Where do I need to get better as mm-hmm. the season progresses? How can the Tim May podcast uh, improve? Uh, how many digressions are the right amount, and yeah. how many us are in there? And the other thing I get tired of is people referring to my accent when, in fact, they're the ones who have the accent. <laughs> I've talked like this since I was born. That's right. You know? That's just how you fast and a little bit of a southern, a uh, little bit of a southern twang. I, I mean, it's just the way it is. I think an accent is something that you, you like change from your initial way of speaking. Yeah, like, that's just how you talk. This is how I talk. Hey, I was in. I was back in Texas uh, over the last weekend, and uh, with my buddy Jeff Snook, and we went to the Alabama A and M game. And my two of my two brothers uh, down there were making fun of me for uh, my accent continuing to change, sounding more like a northerner. And I just go, you know, I just rolled with. It. Anyway, let's get into this. Uh, <laughs> there's the dollar right there. <laughs> These come. They come so quick. I mean, I'm going to make it rain before this is over, Very I think. Good. Some charity is going to be – I don't know if you said who it was going to be yet, but no. they're going to be really happy. Maybe yeah. it's maybe, – I don't know. Maybe you're going to have to put in a word. Tomorrow we'll see Ryan Day say, uh, you got you and Nina have got this going on your sleeves. Nation you know what? Turn. That's the charity it'll go to. Go. All right. Just like I had a curse cup at my house for a while until I ran out of quarters <laughs> and uh, had to go to something else. There's another one. I'm making it rain, ladies and gentlemen, but I digress. Maybe you should have made it a nickel, not a dollar. Your first impression, (laughs) your first thought going into this game on Saturday, Mm. Wisconsin. I watched every play of Wisconsin versus Illinois, and I started throwing out my Reed Timmer-type storm warnings of people, you better be checking in. This is happening. And uh, there's another dollar. (laughs) Bottom line – what kind of Wisconsin team is coming in on Saturday, in your opinion? Some people think they're going to be angry, fired up, because they let one slip. My point is they were. people keep saying they were looking ahead to yeah. Ohio State, and I go, well, when they played Northwestern, were they looking ahead to Kent State? That was a I mean, perfect line. I saw you deliver that, and it was like it put that just that conversation to an end. And they can be – fired up they can be motivated to prove people wrong they can be they could have been looking ahead on saturday i don't believe it i mean ohio state was going to be a double digit favorite in this game no matter what the personnel just doesn't match up and in a way right. i know a lot of people tim have have said well it's not the same now the game lost its luster and the stakes aren't quite as large and you know they wanted game day they wanted fox big noon they weren't all of it on the line and right it wasn't going to cha- change anything in my mind. I don't think anything diminished what's what Ohio State was going to do and how seriously they It was going to change the number of eyeballs of people from around the country who might tune in. Yeah. You know, but, but past that. But to me, I, I watched it and I was like, okay, 
I'm glad that happened so I don't have to pretend that Wisconsin could have beat Ohio State this week because I really don't believe that they can. They don't. I think Ohio State, I've told you this for several weeks in a row, they're going to sell out to stop Jonathan Taylor, and he's going to finish with 25 carries for 63 yards. They don't have a quarterback that can beat that Ohio State secondary. I think I was telling you that, too. Well, we've, yeah, I mean, we, we both I, agree. I think we agree on that. Now we'll see what happens. And I think that as good as this Wisconsin offensive line is, they're not going to be able to contain uh, those rushmen. With, nobody can block Chase Young. Wisconsin is not an exception to that. And I think you look uh, at something you broke down in your film study. This Ohio State offense can beat a defense any way that it wants. And there are so many weapons, and they're only getting better. Justin Fields, what he's doing every week is adding to the package. It's not like they've they've shot their gun and they're out of new stuff they can add. There are more wrinkles coming every single week, and they haven't needed to do anything yeah. that creative to get past good defenses like uh, sorry uh, Northwestern and Michigan State the last few weeks. So um, I'll tell you what I'm interested in: the most telling, the most interesting stat of collisions, if that's what you want to call it, going into this game, is Ohio State. I think is now second or third in the nation in third down conversion percentage. Mm -hmm. They kind of they were five out of six to start the game the other night and kind of fell off the beam a little bit. Wisconsin is number one in the country on stopping third down conversions. That's going to be the crux of Ohio State versus Wisconsin from the standpoint of is Wisconsin, like you're saying, is it good enough to go toe-to-toe with Ohio State? Uh, that That's something that everyone should be watching. I think that – and I, I don't – I'm not trying to trash the whole Wisconsin program. I think it's a, a great program, well-run and well-coached, but they're never going to have the same level – of athletes as Ohio State, that's just not going to happen. So, uh, I don't see them as, you know, a team that can, they they can certainly win the West, and they might bounce back in November to do that. But I sort of doubt it. If they lose on Saturday, they're so they're in a big hole with what Minnesota has left yes. and Iowa both. Uh, now they're going to have their chance to get the head to head, but that is a steep hill to, cl- to climb out of. A uh, steep hole, not a hill. That's uh, that doesn't make any sense. Steep hill to climb, steep, steep hole to climb yeah, out so of. Throw it together, but uh, you know my point is that steep th- and deep. That that thing on Saturday doesn't affect Ohio State in my mind anyway. The loss I wrote that on Monday at Letterman Row because people wondered about the atmosphere. I touched on it, but in terms of strength of schedule, it doesn't impact Ohio State. And I don't think in terms of preparation this week it changes anything because they always expected a tough physical battle, a good defense and a strong running game and they and it was all and that number still exists. They're number 13 Correct. in the country. There's going to be ready on Saturday. That they're going to ignore Illinois. I'll tell you the other collision I'm not collision because they don't collide, but uh <laughs> the duel. Yeah. is you get you get your shot then you get your shot. That's kind of a duel. Yeah. Get it? You know, from the old days. <laughs> um, God, there's another dollar. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor and, yep. versus JK Dobbins. JK Dobbins is running with a lean. Uh, he's running with burst. He's running with acceleration when he gets clear. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, not trying to fire anybody up one way or the other, but, man, I, it just didn't seem to be there against Illinois. And then on top of that, Wisconsin didn't lean on him when you thought really they would lean on the perceived best back in the country. And I'm just – Interested in what's going on with the Wisconsin offense coming out of that Illinois game, and from a confidence standpoint, and then uh, that's as good a that's as good a matchup as you're going to get on deciding maybe who is the number one back in the Big Ten. Think about this, Tim, and I don't know, maybe it doesn't matter at all, but it's interesting to me. 
was it third and five with the game on the line for Wisconsin? They throw the pick. Uh, they don't give it to the, the their best player, the guy that they're saying is a Heisman candidate, and they put the game uh, in the arms of a in the hands of a quarterback who I don't I just frankly think he's on a, the arm of a quarterback yeah, who's going to have a very difficult time. He you you had you pointed this out about him before. It was one of those sort of flutter balls that Ohio State's secondary will eat up. But anyway, well, it's no secret out there that Jack Cohn doesn't throw the ball with the velocity yeah. of a Justin Fields. So I I digress there. Uh, as as you would say, so but third and five, Jonathan Taylor doesn't get the ball. The opening drive, I believe, of the game for Ohio State on Friday night, third and eight. Where does the football go? Ohio State hands it off to J.K. Dobbins. Mm-hmm. They've got no problem. That's the first drive of the game, and then the game-ending drive for that Wisconsin. Was a, that um, was a tone setter because right Northwestern was supposed to, if you played them in a in the phone booth, they were supposed to win that battle, and Ohio State went into the phone booth swinging. Yeah. <laughs> and, it was crazy. To me, I mean, that, that summed it up. Plus, they did it to the left side behind Nicholas Petit-Friere. So, um, that that case, talked about so much confidence that Ohio State has in J.K. Dobbins. I'm not saying Wisconsin doesn't have that uh, in Jonathan Taylor because, of course, they do. But the game's on the line. Put it in the hands of your best player and mm-hmm. not not your, your suspect, uh, shaky quarterback play. Yeah, let's jump real quick now. We, we've dissected what we think is sure. good and bad. I mean, Wisconsin, I think, is legit mm-hmm. as far as – a really good football team. You're not number one in total total defense, all these defensive categories, without pre, being pretty good. But like you said, you know, as uh, J.D. McCauley, the former manager for Buster Douglas, says, styles make fights. And in this fight, Ohio State has more answers than Illinois did. But Illinois still found a way to – you know, and how did they beat them? Brandon Peters steps out of the pocket and throws a strike to the end zone yeah. against the number one pass defense in the country. I mean, that's – that's one of the ways they beat them, by the way, came back on them. And Illinois, boy, you're talking about coming in swinging. They never quit. They lost two or th- they lost their two best defensive linemen in that game and still stoned Wisconsin at the line of scrimmage when it mattered in that game. That was crazy. And uh, Never would have guessed. Yeah. So, but, but I'm looking at Ohio State's offense, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, what's missing here? What, what, where are, you know, where, where are the burps? Where, I mean, where – where is it that uh, Wisconsin can get after them? Is it would probably be matchups on the offensive on the on the front line if they can find some kind of like uh, a weak spot there. Uh, obviously, Ohio State started its fourth tackle of the year, well, which you let me write about. Yeah, and uh, was able to beat a really good defense, not a great defense, but a really good defense the other night. So, if you're looking at Ohio State right now, what are you fixing? I, offensively I, yeah I think it's I think it's a health matter only and I think there were as you wrote uh, on Saturday with Nicholas Petit-Friere he can certainly use those uh, reps to, to get better down the, the road but right now against that Wisconsin front they need Thayer Munford to be able to move a little bit better he still played through it he deserves a lot of credit crazy he even how, played that game tough yeah I mean I think usually you make that decision you're going to hold him out permanently now several people said uh, outside the locker room in the locker room after the game that they always intended on Munford playing. That's surprising to me because if, if you thought that was the case, why didn't you just start him? Uh, but that's not really my business to decide how they handle their roster. Um, but it's it became apparent to me that Josh Allaby, we've he's had those two starts and we've written about him too, that he's really important as that swing tackle. Yes, he is. And I think if you're going to – if you're going to have the full complement of the offense for Ohio State this week against Wisconsin, you need Munford and Allaby out there. And that's not – I don't mean any criticism of Petit Friere in that regard, but it's just this is one of those slugfests, and 
you want to be at full strength in the trenches. Uh, aside from that. I would put Dewan Jones out there four times, though, and let him lean on people. Whew. I mean, my goodness. I never would have thought that, th- that there would be a debate. Now, Mitch Rossi had a hell of a block on yeah, that play. I mean, it was basically a wide trap. And uh, they, you know, fired off like it was zone, zone right. Fire, and then Rossi comes on wide trap and just nails that defensive end. But Dewan Jones collapsed not just the Northwestern defensive line, but the Ohio State offensive line, too. <laughs> do you think – It was crazy. Do you think that – they're going to let him go past four games at this point? Uh, I think Would you've you? got to ponder it. Would you? I didn't say uh just then, uh, <laughs> oh, by the I, way. Uh, I think they've got to ponder it. I would because there's a guy, number one, he showed his value. There's going to be a key moment here where you would think in this season where blocking or putting pressure on a field goal kicker is going to matter. Mm-hmm. And he showed his worth in that regard by setting up Chase Young for that block earlier this year. And then – he showed me something the other night. He was coming off the ball really nice. See, when we first watched him in preseason practice, I was watching his feet. I was just going, "That's that guy, he's not moving like you want a, a Big Ten Ohio State offensive tackle yep. to move. He has definitely gotten much, much better. Yeah. And the way he came off and just collapsed a whole side of a line, and not that you can do that every day, mm-hmm. but he is so damn big that – well, and imagine, imagine – You understand, this. he's so damn big that <laughs> J.K. Dobbins cozying up behind him and then breaking off left or right, depending on which way he decides to take the door he's just smashed in in front of him. You know, it's kind of like you know, a SWAT team always has that guy that knocks the door down, right? Yeah, so the field goal thing is really interesting because you put him next to Chase Young. We saw that already pay off. Oh, yeah. He's going to get his hand up. He doesn't even have to jump. That's going to create a problem. By the way, it's Matt, Matt Barnes, I'm telling you, the difference he's made in these special teams is obvious, it's but go been, ahead. It's been phenomenal. So yeah. that's that's one big plus in his column. Number two, after all the fuss last year about putting in the tape package to do something cool in the red zone, why not do it with Dewan Jones? Yeah. I mean, you could – I'm not suggesting that you hand it to him the refrigerator Perry style, but if you put him as your extra tackle or tight end eligible or whatever else – I want, him to, I want him to play on Saturday just so Gus Johnson can say, Dewan Jones, <laughs> Dewan Jones. Put him in as a, a fullback and then Dobbins coming behind it because they've already got, we've already seen it in seven games now, the under center stuff. I think this guy's got a use, and I'm surprised. Like He clearly was someone who needed yeah. a, a year of development in the red shirt oh, yeah. to, be, to be a future tackle. But maybe this is one of those guys where you say, He's, he could be in his he fourth could be a year, factor. He'd be gone. You don't need a yeah. redshirt senior year. And here's the thing. He's played enough now that you could still, you know, if you don't need him Saturday, you don't use him. But if you need him down the road, that's the beauty of this four-game redshirt. But, yeah, and, but, and if you think that, though, sorry to interrupt you, but they took him on the road to Northwestern. Right. And they put him in the game. And that wasn't one where maybe they thought – it would get it out of hand in the second half, but, but you don't, you know, you don't count on it happening. But you're th- you got Thayer Munford banged up, and you got Josh yeah, Allaby not right. on, on on the trip, so you needed him. Right. You needed him on that plane. You want him on that plane. <laughs> but you still could have got in. That was the you know the last yeah. two drives of the game. You could, he said we made it. This is the end. Uh, let's leave. Yeah. Let's leave. No, I know we're gushing about a guy that's you know you've seen. I'm just telling you, there's a lot more potential there than I thought there was when yep. I first watched him that first day we got to watch preseason Absolutely camp. Absolutely agree. Yep. And, uh, and so, now, I'm not sure we even answered the question I was asking you about, but uh, let's move on quickly to the defense. <laughs> Obviously, they're going to be benefited if they can get Baron Browning back this week. Ryan Day uh, says they will. Brian, Ryan Day says they will. Gave him a week to, 
to rest up. I'm not sure exactly. I have an idea what his what his malady is, but I don't want to say it I, on the air because I am told it was a, a minor groin injury. Exactly. That's what I heard too. And he might have done it when he was jumping up in the air celebrating that interception that he then got called for a ridiculous uh, bogus call for an illegal block. Won't but, won't confirm or deny that. Exactly. But anyway, I digress. Uh, God, I'm making it rain, man. I should have never have done this. Uh, Let's just change it to a nickel before yeah, you're too late. And there was just another one. <laughs> Defensively, what would you like? I'll, I'll go first. Defensively, what would you like? What would you like to see improve? If that's in case the right word, like Saturday, I'm looking at Saturday's matchup, and I'm going. I devote six guys to stopping the run, and I devote five guys to basically playing a zone, maybe a little bit of man underneath, mm -hmm. but zone defense against this quarterback. Because I think uh, Jeffrey Okuda breaking on the ball, on those thrown balls, is going to be Sean Wade, same way, uh, Damon Arnett. Uh, that's going to be a factor in this game. Yeah, I think that this is a game where – And when you play zone, you can break on the ball. And Cone has only thrown two picks, but I think that that's – uh, a little bit misleading considering how much Wisconsin runs the football and the level of competition they've faced. He's not going to see anything. He hasn't seen anything like it, and he probably won't again for the rest of year, the year with Akuda, Arnett, Wade, uh, Jordan Fuller, Josh Proctor, and even you know what you can do with some of these linebackers. Wait, who was that last guy you named? Yeah, Josh Proctor. Go ahead now. Um, he'll be out there quite a bit, I think, in this game too. It suits up. Uh, it suits pretty well, maybe to. You know where Josh Proctor's from? Yeah. O was O. <laughs> sounds sounds like I love it. Outside Tulsa, my my birthplace, and uh, yeah. Anyway, love that guy. Anyway, what would I want to see? I think Baron Browning uh, getting healthy changes the rush defense. I got a bunch of questions uh, Friday night and Saturday to, to answer the rest of this week about what was wrong with the rush defense, and I'm, I'm looking at it like. Okay, 3.3 yards per carry. I know that there were four or five runs that were 10-plus yards, 10 to 20, nothing over 20, and and the, the comment came up right away that they were getting gashed. And, it's like, I, I don't think it was that bad. Here, here's, here's the thing. You know this. If you go to a, a movie or if you go – if you're driving down the road and you have two guys or three guys just dart in front of you and then carry on and are acting like idiots and you're going – you know, and you say bad words, and they're not the word uh, which, yeah. by the way, doesn't count when I actually say what the word is. Uh, those are what you're going to remember yeah. from driving into work, not the other 990 people who drove correctly like you did, like you and I yeah. both do. Uh, always. And that, that I've, I've run the same thing, and I've, you know, you're getting people saying, tough Borland's not getting off blocks. Well, they did a good job early in that game, uh, Northwestern did a couple times, of getting a, getting alignment into tough Borland's face. Uh I'm kind of sick of hearing about the tough Borland stuff from the from his critics out there because I don't think that it is an accurate representation of what he's giving Ohio State. I don't either. And you cannot play Baron Browning 90 plays. You cannot play Malik Harrison 90 plays. You can't, you know, maybe Wisconsin's not going to get to that amount. But what Ohio State is not just saying this for no reason. You can't. Chase Young is not playing 75 plays. There's a reason for that. Right. They want them giving maximum effort. And Tough Borland, it's not like this is the only place in the country that would start Tough Borland. He would start at linebacker for probably every team in the Big Ten. Now, Wisconsin's got uh, some pretty decent ones as well, but 
This guy can stop the run. Is he the fastest linebacker in the country? No, he is not. Is he smart? Can he make the calls? Is he a respected leader? Is he going to wrap up against the run and tackle well? He's going to do all those things. So I don't understand the hatred for uh, – maybe that's too strong of a word, but th- he's got a bunch of critics, and I know that he has zero inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Ohio State is uh, 7-0, and ranked number three in the country in one poll, number four in the other. How Clemson's still in the top, I don't get it. But that's another story. The defense is the, in my opinion, the turnaround unit in the country mm-hmm. compared to where it was a year ago. Yeah. But people like to complain. That's the bottom line. And uh, you, they're not always – you're not ever going to make everybody happy, as Abe Lincoln said many, many, many years ago. He was I think I heard that speech live. He, he was giving a warning to people who are on Twitter. Yeah. He exactly. probably would have just said to stay off of it. Maybe we should. Bottom line is this is a collision coming Saturday – that's still a hell of a collision. Yeah, it is. To, if you take Wisconsin for granted, you're stupid. They're a hell of a lot better than Purdue was a year ago. Yeah. They're a hell of a lot better than Wisconsin was two years ago. If you let them hang around and be in the game, just like they let Illinois do last week, Wisconsin did, you never know what's going to happen. Ohio State hasn't been in one of those kind of games yet. I'm, excuse me, Ohio State hasn't been in one of those kind of games yet. So that's what you're dealing with. The second quarter, can you count on the second quarter rush? Who knows? What did uh, what what did Pat Fitzgerald call it? The second quarter onslaught yeah. is what he referred to it. The Buckeyes second quarter onslaught. It's, it's crazy. It's catching on, I think, worldwide. It, I have to give the coaching staff and the players a lot of credit for the ability to adjust because they've always done that at Ohio State, but it, I think Luke Fickle, Greg Schiano, that tended to be, even Urban Meyer, that tended to be a halftime thing. Like They're going to get there to the half. If it's close, that's fine. They're, they'll do it in the third quarter and pull away, uh, and teams won't be able to adjust. But Ohio State, with Jeff Halfley and Ryan Day, and this was brought up uh, on Letterman Live yesterday, yeah. that maybe it's the NFL part of them where you have no time to waste and you have to do it instantly. You talk about a refreshing presence. Yeah, It's Jeff Halfley. Just the way he not only answers questions, but him pointing out – He's acting like there's a tornado coming. You know, it's not like a hurricane where you have four days to get ready. A tornado, you've got four four, four minutes, minutes maybe. Yep. And his, that's his approach to to making adjustments on the fly. He and Greg Madison both. But I mean, the second quarter was a total different, total different looking defense. They, you know, and they the the offense and defense fed off each other. Mm-hmm. It was it was crazy. I'm talking about the game on Friday night at Northwestern. It's been that way. For what? How many games in a row now? And it's 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 refreshing to hear a guy who isn't going to sit there and twiddle his thumbs and make notes up in the press box about this, yeah. that, and the other. We'll get it. We'll when I get an eye to eye with these guys, we'll get it done. No, he's he's probably not screaming. I can't imagine Halfley screaming. He seems pretty. Measured. But he's he and he and Madison clearly have some great conversations from the press box to the field, and they're getting things done. And there's no denying that. Yeah. Now Saturday against Wisconsin. How's Wisconsin? Is Wisconsin going to line up and have some success running the ball? Probably, because that's what they do. But are they going to have enough success to make it a difference in this game? That's that's what's on uh, Chase Young, Jonathan Cooper, Jay Sean Cordell, Devon Hamilton for starters. Yeah. I mean, the most I keep saying this. Tommy Togia. And Tommy Togia coming in. There's the most underrated, I think, rise of any player on this team. You think I'm fixed to say Devon Hamilton, but I saw him coming. The guy, Jay Sean Cornell, is playing on another level. I mean, he has embraced 
his role on the defense, and he has been a factor in almost every game this year in in a disruption way. So those guys, but they're getting put on the right. They got knocked out of their gaps a few times on um, by Northwestern, but they adjusted. They adjusted the way they were attacking, yep. et cetera. I think if you went back to the first few episodes of this podcast in August, you would hear you were you were driving the Hamilton train and I was driving the Cornell train. I right. really thought uh, he could do Draymond Jones-like stuff. It had been a long time coming, but for Jay Sean Cornell I'm talking about, sometimes it takes four or five years for guys to fully understand and get it. And it's You're not a defensive end anymore. Yeah. You could be a hell of a three technique. And that would have been a lot easier for him if he got to play defensive end his whole career or three technique his whole career. Maybe it wouldn't have taken so long. But it doesn't matter either way. He developed physically. Yeah. He didn't he didn't wash out of the Mickey Marotti strength program. He made it through every single year. He embraced year. it. You get a guy that's been through that for four, for five years and you're putting him in the trenches in the Big Ten game, good luck to you. That guy is going to be a man. Yeah. And he's playing like one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll wrap it up with that. Uh Playing like a man, uh, as a, a grown ass man, as, right. as Urban Meyer. Wow. Is this the Beanie and Boom show? Exactly. Oh my goodness! Sounds like no, that, no. That's in the Bible. The, that letter, that oh, okay. word. I got you. Along with hell, but uh, <laughs> man, appreciate you being on again, Boston. Thank uh, you for having me in. Really looking forward to this game on Saturday. This is uh, still a bellwether game for Ohio State, no matter how it slipped in its dimension with a. Uh, Wisconsin getting upset by Illinois. And I threw another uh in there just so I could give more to the uh, uh, <laughs> Tina and Ryan Day fun. But we'll be back next week to talk about how the game went, look forward a little bit, and maybe have a couple other special guests on. But until then, this is Tim May. Thanks for watching the Tim May Podcast. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. 
NY or text Hope NY in New York.